0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with myself, Sean Bradbury, on hosting duties Today and with me in a very small room after the outbreak of coronavirus are Paul Gorsley and Doyle. Gents, we'll start with a health check. Gorsley, how are you getting on?
1: Feeling good. I was in Madrid three weeks ago, but so far so good. No uh, self-isolation for me as of yet, Um, so we'll see. Doily, all, I've all clear? Better. I've
0: been better. You've yeah. been better? Yeah. <laughs> Ominous. Yeah, we'll soon see, won't we? We'll, we'll crack on to whether it I'm, Whether I'm chronic or not, we'll, yeah. we'll know at a later well, date. Hopefully we get through the pod, that's the main thing. If we make it to the end of this, then, then happy days. Right, yeah, plenty to talk about, obviously, the outbreak of coronavirus, the effect that's now had on the Premier League, Liverpool, and, and various other things, which we will come to. But we'll start, of course, with Wednesday night in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. Gents, you were both there in the press box. And, and of I have to say, I was, I was in the office working this one. Some of the scenes outside the ground ahead of it were just unbelievable, whether people were obeying the right advice in terms of air coronavirus. But I I don't know about that, but it it just felt like it was shaping up to be one of the kind of great Anfield nights under the lights in Europe. And and for 97 minutes, it it pretty much was.
1: Yeah, had all the hallmarks of it, didn't it? Liverpool needing the big Anfield atmosphere. And that was exactly what they got. My um, fans were absolutely... Played their part to a T, and it looked like it was it was working, didn't it? For, for, you know, Roberto Firmino gets that goal in extra time, and it's looking like Liverpool are, are going to finally have overcome what was a very resolute Atletico performance. Jano Black was inspired, wasn't he? he had, you know, particularly second half, it just felt like Liverpool were battering the door down, and they were shooting from left and right, and he was just tipping everything away, and he he was just. You know, I, I, I wrote it in my match verdict. Actually, it was one of the best visiting goalkeeping performances at Anfield's probably witnessed in years. It, mm. was, it was that good. I think Liverpool had thirty-four shots in total, and somehow they've not only lost the tie, they've lost the game as well. Um, we, we we can all <clears throat> debate about that. you know Adrian being maybe our fault. Certainly, our fault for the clearance to Joe Felix, and maybe could have got a hand on Jurante's two shots, but. Um, Liverpool didn't really deserve to go out. I thought Um, they just ran into a stubborn Atletico defence with a world-class goalkeeper who bailed them out time and time again. Um, Liverpool really unfortunate to be
0: sent packing. It it, it couldn't have been a sharper contrast to that first leg, could it, where Liverpool, I don't think they must have shot, did they? Away in Spain or certainly not shot on target. But this one, as as Gorsi said, they were knocking on the door throughout the game, got that lead in extra time, but but it wasn't to be. What, What did you make of it all?
2: They lost it in the first leg by not scoring there, basically. So everything that happened in the game, I know first legs always dictates the second leg, but the fact that Liverpool weren't able to get that goal in the Wanda Metropolitana meant that even when they were 1-0 ahead, even when they were 2-0 ahead, as has been seen, they only needed to have one slip-up and then suddenly the entire atmosphere changed. Not just the game itself, but say the atmosphere changed Mm. as well. And the fact that Atletico scored so soon after Liverpool made it 2-0, they didn't give... The Reds much chance to build any momentum or even go into that little period of, right, (coughs) regroup, see what we have to do. We don't have to go for it now. We've got the lead. We can now sit on it. They didn't even have a chance to do that. I'd imagine that Jurgen Klopp would have been quite happy to get through to halftime and extra time without conceding. But, you know, as, as Paul says, the whole thing about Adrian and if he doesn't do that, I don't think Atletico Madrid get through. I mean, Liverpool's performance was good. Klopp said afterwards, the big mistake Liverpool made was not scoring the second goal Yeah, inside the 90 minutes, which it was really. I mean, they had enough chances. And for all the talk of Diego Simeone's masterclass, I think Liverpool battered them. And, and you're never lucky when a goalkeeper as good as Odd black makes loads of saves, because that's why he is the best, well, one of the best goalkeepers should say in the world. And, you know, that's what he's there for. Mm. But, at the same By the same token, you can't then give Atletico Madrid massive credit for the way they defended because the fact that Liverpool had that many shots and had that many on target suggests they didn't defend absolutely brilliantly, and they didn't. And, uh, you know, Liverpool didn't have any shots on target in the first game. And I say, it comes back to what happened in Madrid is what, what cost Liverpool eventually. I mean, I thought that for 95, 96 minutes, it was Liverpool's certainly the best performance since Leicester. Yeah. Possibly the best home performance this season better than City and Tottenham are the two that spring to mind. It's because obviously against Tottenham, they went behind very early on and just kept at it. And it was a little bit like that, to be honest. But, you know, the way they knocked the ball about. And it was weird because I saw some, you know, we, we do the whole thing about player ratings don't we mm. were? Not just ours, we we do the round of everybody else. And I saw somebody gave Salah a six, and I thought I know yeah, I know in- you Jackson's? agree with me on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that's the best Salah's played in ages. A long time. Because yeah. he had a he had a tough time in the first leg, and it wasn't just him, there was quite a quite a few of them certainly in attacking man you know, Manet got subbed at half time. I think Mane was fairly you know, consistent throughout the game. I thought for me I got a lot better in the second half. First half, he was a little bit lost. Um gets his goal at Anfield obviously uh, and Salah just thought he was a constant threat and certainly in the first half Liverpool over overloaded that right hand side which is where the, uh, the first goal came from and in fact it's where the second goal came from as mm-hmm. well so Liverpool got the tactics right Liverpool got their approach right the performance right the only thing that didn't go right was well two things because as said Klopp they didn't score I mean the Robertson header oh, and everybody mm-hmm. thought it was in from where yeah. we were we couldn't quite believe it hadn't gone in and if that goes in that's it Game over, and I think while you got to give Atletico Madrid some credit for the fact that let's face it, they won the game. Although I think a lot of that was down to the minute that they away goal because then everything just that's it. Mm. Because you notice that both of the the second and third goals are in injury time at the end of each half in extra time, which suggests Liverpool are kind of just turned off a little bit. And and know it's like Liverpool have of course have had no injury problems this year, have they at all? I'm sure you'll touch (laughs) touch on this at some point, but. Ultimately, that's what's cost them in this competition. You know, Adrian, he's played far more than anybody could have expected. He's won every single Premier League game which he's played. Not kept many clean sheets, has to be said. Also, one of them has helped win the Super Cup with the penalty saves. But when it's come to the crunch, he's unfortunately been the one. And, you know, so often you're only as strong as your weakest link. And there's a reason why Liverpool snapped him up for next to nothing. He was a free agent. He's a good goalkeeper, but he's not in Allison's class. He's certainly not in blocks class and ultimately that's what the difference was.
1: Yeah, Liverpool's XG was over 3.5 for that game and Atletico it were basically two banks of four inside the penalty area. Uh, the first lot was inside the six-yard box making blocks and clearances. and Liverpool had a high number of high-quality chances, which normally they would take. I think they just come up against a world class goalkeeper and you see the difference that can have when you've got one in Liverpool have, have seen it themselves from the transformation they've had under Alisson and as Doyle says Adrian isn't a, a, a terrible deputy he just isn't a goalkeeper who should be contesting Champions League last 16 so, um, it's only because Alisson was injured that Liverpool were forced it to throw him in so Liverpool have been a bit unlucky there but they'll have to take that one on the chin and, and you know Try and get this this Premier League done and understood as soon as
0: possible. Mm. Well, before we move on, just have a little word on what the manager said afterwards, because I think it was interesting both uh, post match press conferences. Klopp, of course, they had, I don't know how you describe it, a little bit of a nibble at the kind of game plan and style of Atletico Madrid. What did you make of that?
1: Atletico Madrid are completely entitled to to come to Anfield and play however they want. It it was was them who had the lead. And I I read that, that quote from Klopp on Twitter while I was in the mix zone. So I actually asked Virgil van Dijk a similar question. I said, your manager has said this. Do you agree with it? Did uh, gos approach frustrate you and the players? And he, he said, no. He said they, they came with the lead. It, it, they were completely within the rights to play however they want and no one should be surprised by the way they've set up. That's how they've operated Jordan what has been the most successful spell in their history under Simeone.
2: Mm.
1: So they're not going to change and start trying to play like Barcelona or... Liverpool or Manchester City, they've gotten this far because of that determination, that doggedness, that organisation. So fair play to them. Liverpool on another night would have won, but just came up against um,
2: a very good defensive display, but even more pertinent was the goalkeeper performance. Mm. I think what annoyed Klopp, obviously he was upset that they got beat. I think what annoyed him is that he realised that it would be such a big deal to get the goals against Atletico and Liverpool had done it. So they'd actually got themselves into that position. So he was probably just still smarting about that, and he probably looked at the way that the goals were taken by their players and thought, "Well, you know, they've got players who are very good mm. because they have they, they were on show, and they don't always play like that." I don't think any Liverpool fan or manager can really complain too much about styles of playing stuff like that because you can only do with. I suppose his argument would be that they've got players who can do better or more. What he would call football, mm. you know, but. Simeone's tactics work. Liverpool, what was it, 2001, under Gerard Houllier, they weren't the most free-flowing no. of teams. They ended up winning a, a, a treble and you could say, well, <clears throat> if you look at that, League Cup final was on penalties against a championship side. The FA Cup final when they got battered by Arsenal and Owen pulled out two worldies at the end. And then Alaves, don't even know whether they're in La league at Common the moment. Goal? Yeah, and it's 5-4. Mm. Mm. So, you know, I know that's going back 19 years and things have changed a lot since then. But the point being is that, Back then, Liverpool weren't a Barcelona. They weren't a Real Madrid. They weren't that kind of free-flowing team. But they weren't even the you know the team that they were under Rodgers, and to a certain extent, certainly part of Benitez's reign. But they're very effective. That's what Let's Madrid are like. And until they start losing games and start falling down the league, are they're going to carry on like that. Although, mm. I do wonder whether or not Klopp's got his eye on had a look at some of the Atletico Madrid players and thought, wow, they do quite good, well for us. So I mean, just a little bit of a thing there. Maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. It's possible. Um, and we'll move on to Simeone's comments to start with you on this one. Ghost. I thought he was actually quite magnanimous afterwards yeah. and, you know, gave the people their due credit and even went as far as to say that the result in some sense was unjust because of his take on away goals. What did you think of those Yeah,
1: comments? he would have been within his rights to stick two things up to Klopp and say, well, I've come here and scored yeah. three and beaten his home and away. So, what are you moaning about? But um he was very gracious wasn't he and mm-hmm. then he said something along the lines of it was a bit unfair that we had half an hour to score on away goal and liverpool didn't essentially um so I thought I thought they were they were very classy comments um it's not someone you normally associate with being um someone who is I, I don't know how to phrase it really I mean he's he's um he's a fighter isn't he he's, he's not someone who who you, you normally associated with being a classy manager, with you know saying the right things. But on that, on this night, I think he did. Um, his team didn't deserve to go through, but the, for the way they play, the way they set up, and so on, um, fair play to them for for going on. And and we'll see how far they get. Um But I thought uh, the the post match comments were,
2: were were very gracious of him, Actually, mm. I think his comments about the away gold really is something he's been on about for years. To mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, personally speaking, I don't agree with him. I think that, yeah, okay, they have an extra half an hour to score the away goal, but Liverpool have an extra half an hour in front of their fans in that atmosphere. And he said, yeah. I think he did, he did say afterwards the atmosphere was amazing. I know some of the players did. What was it? That's how Felix yeah, said, yeah. shouldn't really say this, but when they scored <laughs> the first goal, I was stood there looking around at the stadium going, wow. So uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm not saying that we take Anfield for granted. And, and to be fair, it's not just Anfield, it is quite a few other Premier League grounds, but on European nights, Anfield in particular, that when these players come over and they see what it's like, they're not all just saying it for effect, are they? They actually mm. do mean it. And you've got like, how old is he? 17, 18? So he's a young 19, lad. I think, yeah. And he Possibly, you know, Simeone said he was coming to Anfield the first time and he made comments on the fact that the atmosphere was incredible. I think sometimes we undervalue the mm. the power of that, the fact that that's, you know, what if five years down the line, Atletico Madrid look as though they want to sell to Joao Felix and Liverpool are in for it and then he remembers race. that night. Yeah. Exactly. So these kind of things, OK, Liverpool lost, but it could have a benefit in future years simply because it keeps on building that. I don't want to say brand, but it's not like a myth, isn't it? It's not even a myth. It's an actual fact of, of, what, of what Anfield can be like. And uh, I'm, I'm on Simeone, I know we spoke about uh, this before the game and I thought Liverpool wouldn't keep a clean sheet and would go out. And I think Theo, Theo Squire said the same. So there were a couple of us who feared the worst and didn't expect them to lose on the night like. But uh, And certainly wouldn't have expected them to lose given the way that they'd played for, the, for nearly all of the match. But Simeone, I quite like him. And while... I know people who sit near the dugout, and they had made the rare exception of not clapping Atletico off because they couldn't stand <laughs> the, their antics on the line. They were that bad in the dugout, and the touchline, and stuff like that, running on at every opportunity. Apparently, apparently there was some when Trent Alexander Arnold was trying to take a corner, and people they had their subs warming up, trying to put him off while he was trying to take it. Apparently, that. I see that, that, that I heard somebody say that, but uh, Simeone himself. He comes across all right, I think. He's done the press conferences before and afterwards, and he's always been like yeah.
0: fairly sound. He's not the kind of person you see on the touchline, but then who could we say about that? Mm. Jürgen okay. It's one of them, isn't it? I think that you know the, the teams are in his image to an extent, aren't they? And I, I kind of don't mind the way they play it. It's like you guys have said, it's, it's a valid strategy, isn't it? If you want to defend and look what they did in the face, like they restricted them. Would, would you want to
2: watch it every week, though? wouldn't want to watch it thing. every week. And um, I I think- know, but, but you
0: would want to watch it every week if they're winning. Yeah, you'd be happy with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's well, when
2: things start to go a bit wrong. That's when people go, "Hang on, why? Yeah. Why am I paying money to watch this?" It's the
0: antics as well. Yeah. I, I think there's a little bit of unsavoury stuff. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll move on from that. If that is the night that convinces Joe Felix to come to Anfield years, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You put a smile on your face again. Uh, right then, well, obviously we must move on to the subject that's dominating the national conversation, the global conversation, really, which is of course the uh, outbreak and the spread of coronavirus and. Obviously, you know it, it, it's it's much more important than than football. This situation of of public health and and indeed life and death. But obviously, on this part and in our department, it's 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 sport which we cover. So we'll look at the situation as it stands for Liverpool and the Premier League and and have a a little pick through that and see where things could could be going. So yeah, Liverpool play Wednesday night and then last night uh, initially the Premier League confirmed that the weekend's games and and Mondays. Uh, Merseyside Derby at Goodison we're going to go ahead then minutes later I think it was only about 20-30 minutes later we had the confirmation that Mikel Arteta the Arsenal boss had tested positive for coronavirus then it was uh, another Premier League statement that said there was going to be an emergency meeting on Friday morning which there was uh, all 20 clubs were represented and a unanimous decision to suspend football uh, top flight football and indeed the rest of the professional pyramid has been suspended till the first weekend in April Uh, Premier League indicated that there is a desire to get the season finished, that they want fixtures rescheduled when it's safe to do so. But obviously the situation we're facing now is, I think, 22 days at least um, without football. So looking at it from the Liverpool perspective, uh, Gorsley, we'll start with you. Let's just go through first the the things that the club have said, the things that we know to be the case. Um, A message went up uh, within the last hour on on Liverpool's website from Klopp. And I think like he so often does, he, he struck the right tone over all of this.
1: Yeah, he said today is not the day to be worrying about football and he does have a point. It's going to be now, what, three weeks until Liverpool are back in action. Games against Everton on Monday, Crystal Palace on the 21st, was it? Um, They're postponed to a later date. Liverpool return to action, hopefully on the 5th of April, against none other than Manchester City. And weirdly, this suspension has taken Liverpool from um, within six points of a title to three. Because if Liverpool beat Manchester City now on the 5th of April, that crowns them as champions because obviously it takes points off City. So it's a strange one. Um, Liverpool have weirdly benefited from this suspension in a way. It's, it's a really strange period. And I mean, uh, international breaks is tough enough, aren't they, for us and, and Liverpool supporters who aren't quite as invested as international footballers, other areas of the country and wherever else. So, um, what are we going to do now for three weeks um, it's going to be a tough one but don't say that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean I they made the right decision because I think if they tried to continue on the current schedule behind closed doors you'd have know, had the potential prospect of Liverpool winning the league in front of no fans which would just be the most surreal sad mm. moment you know that, that you can that you can possibly think of Um so I think they've made they've made the right decision Um hopefully there are no further delays and we can't crack on from the the 4th of April and uh, continue on with with the football but um, it's going to be a a long three weeks I'd suggest.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Tony, what else has the club said and done so far? I mean, a a training decision has been made about Melwood and and they're already taking various steps. Yeah, basically
2: they trained at Melwood today. Presumably that was already arranged because they thought they were still going to be playing on Monday and after that session they basically made the decision to clear melwood effectively there's going to be no players there certainly no coaching stuff maybe some skeleton stuff have like now reception or, or things like that i don't know that for sure but certainly in terms of the the players and saying the coaching stuff they've all been sent away presumably home uh, and they'll have their own training plans uh, training programs that they'll follow and that's going to go until further notice so mm. I have to say, I don't really think the Man City game will happen. Certainly not the dates. That's just my feeling on it. I think the 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 break will be longer, and then we're getting into the question of how are they going to end the Premier League season and are they going to end the Premier League season? And we're going to have well, you said nothing's going to be happening. We're just going to have an eternal debate about that mm. until it until it starts again. because it's an interesting one, because we've seen like likes so of you mentioned, Mikel Arteta, Camacho. Uh, Callum, even not Camel, Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's also uh, <clears throat> being diagnosed as, uh, as having coronavirus. I mean, he posted the video, didn't he? He says, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Nearly everybody's mm-hmm. going to say they're fine, the ones that are associated with football, because these are people, say the players, are uh, peak yep. pe- you know, physical specimens. They, do, they tend not to have any underlying health issues, or if they do, then they're kind of well-known and you know they can be addressed. So for them, it's just not just, but it's an illness, but it's, it's the contagion of it, isn't it? it how infectious, how infectious it is. And that's the issue. It's, we know that the governments have said that they're not going to ban sporting events, at least not for now, but they're not going to have to ban sporting events because all of the authorities have taken the decision for them based on the findings or certainly the, what other countries are doing. I mean, Mm. Once America starts banning stuff, or sorry, starts stopping stuff and saying, right, we're not doing this, that, and the other, you know, the pause and the, what was it? The, the, the MBA. MLS. The yeah. And the MLS yeah. as well, and the and the Masters is going to get rearranged. Thing is, is that for a lot of them, it's, the Masters can take place in October or whatever, yeah. you know, because one thing we know from history on these kind of pandemics is that they will eventually subside. We've already seen it. In China, it's going to be there, and it's going to be there for a long time. We're talking months, possibly years, but it's not going to be quite as, you know. Without wishing to go all medical on us all, and you know, this is just, this is just, (laughs) this is just, you know, from basics, reading and knowing, no lessons from history. Yeah, is that it's going to get worse, but eventually it will get better. Is basically what the message is going to be. So it's about protecting each other's Klopp said in his thing, it's just mm. c- keeping an eye on each other and ma- making sure it isn't spread in certain ways. And, you know, the, the, for the Premier League clubs, they all unanimously voted, as you say. They they wouldn't want to risk themselves at, at risk of, you know, because uh, uh, c- containing this virus, because they, they, they've they got families, they've got friends, they've got, you know, the, the people who are most under the threat, as we say, are people with health issues, and certainly ones who are over the age of, I think, it's 70, yeah. So, you know, they, they want to keep them safe. So why should they be any different to me and you and anybody listening on this on this podcast? So I think the decision, I actually put a tweet out earlier this week saying I can't believe we're still playing these Champions League mm. games to a certain degree. And it, it has to be just stopped now. They can stop it. The international break's come at a good time for them. And then if, you know, we've got this meeting coming in, uh, UEFA meeting, sorry, coming in Tuesday where they're going to announce something or another. You'd like to think they're going to announce the, Euros being put back for Surely. 12 months although I don't think that's quite as straightforward as people think um, but you know it will continue at some point people will start people aren't working will go back to work people you know going to these outside events but there has to be a period where this stops for the good of everybody not just the good of the players but for the good of everybody
1: hmm. yeah one thing I have to say as well is um, in Madrid where the almost being put on lockdown hasn't it and I I think I read today that there's no more flights in Bayern to Madrid. Um, Why, uh, you know, the the city that accounts for half of Spain's entire coronavirus cases, why 3,000 Atletico Madrid fans were allowed to fly to Liverpool and walk around the city centre and and go to the game and (coughs) drink in the bars afterwards. I think I've had no, couldn't find an explanation as to why that was allowed. It must have been a
2: a baffling one. That was strange, but it's not going to be the fault that it's come to England. I think it that just might just speed it up in this area. I know that sounds a slightly trite thing to say, but it's going to come. You know the 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 government, well, the medical official who I have to say spoke quite well. Is he the head of what's what's his head of science? Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "What is it? eight percent of the country is going to get it, and unfortunately, they will. But fortunately, for a lot of people, nearly all people, it'll be fine. But it's for those other ones." it won't be and that's the that's going to be the issue
0: mm. well we'll try and explore as far as we can obviously a lot of this is still speculative given the, the nature of it and how things are unfolding but the key questions as things stand from the football perspective well obviously the big one for Liverpool is what would happen with the title I mean what are Liverpool now 20 22 25 25, 25 City have a game in hand I remember last month um, there was a few reports in national newspapers saying that there is no guarantee that if the season was curtailed, Liverpool in their current dominant state would get the title. And I, I went to the Premier League on this and just said, "Is is this the case?" And they did say, "There's there's no rule in their handbook that says that would happen." But that's because this is an unprecedented situation. You know, there's no no real rules in their handbook about you know shortening seasons, but they kind of you know gave didn't give a statement but gave the guidance that that was maybe a slightly misguided focus on one, one possible outcome, but the, 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 there were plenty of options and loads of variables and they said it was still hypothetical at the time. So they kind of steered away from that idea of it not being guaranteed the title. But it's a tricky one though, isn't it? There's, 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 there's lots of ways you could come with this situation. I'll start with you, Gorsley. I mean, is there, from a Liverpool fan's perspective, if things did have to be cancelled or whatever, you would, you would want this season to be rewarded, but do you think there is a right answer when it comes to, to the title?
1: Well, it's it's not just Liverpool. Liverpool aren't the only team with a vested interest in this season, are they? And you look at teams like Leeds and West Brom, and say, imagine Leeds got told, OK, well, you haven't been in the Premier League since 2004, and we all know this is what you've wanted and worked towards for over 15 years. But sorry, you're top of the Championship now, but you can't come in because we're, we're cancelling the league and we're starting afresh. Or West Brom, who haven't been in the Premier League for a couple of years. Teams who are in the playoff places at the moment. You know we know how financially rewarding it is to, to be to become a Premier League club. So ultimately, I think that is going to be what tips the balance for stuff like this because the Premier League. I mean, it's all hypothetical, isn't it? But the Premier League could be subjected to several suits from from mm-hmm. certain clubs who demanding. You know, you you look at when you look at the West Brom and Sheffield uh, West Ham and Sheffield United situation from two thousand and seven. That there was loads of legal wranglings around that and, and I imagine this would be ten times worse if something like that did happen if they just decided to scrap it all and start afresh as it is um, there will be a, surely a more um, I mean th- there's got to be a better outcome I think than just saying oh well uh, this is what's happened we'll start afresh again in August because it's um, teams can't play for, for seven months of the year across the entire pyramid and just expect for it to be stopped and, and we'll all
2: start afresh that that can't be right it's interesting because the decision to stop it has been great as we just mentioned we all agree with it don't we we all agree it's the right thing to do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah exactly everybody agrees it's the right one all the clubs voted for it everybody said yeah because it's a it's a public service the health issue and nobody wants to be mentioned before nobody wants anybody to get sick even though reality is, some people will do but this helps and if it helps in any way as Jurgen Klopp said in his statement if it helps one person you know, become healthy, then it's been absolutely worth it, And that's fine. The interesting thing is when they then come back, it no longer becomes a health issue. It becomes a sporting and moral one. Mm. And the sporting one, obviously, how do we finish this? The moral one being, okay, we might not finish this. How do we reward or otherwise? And now, what's just happened in the past seven or eight months? And there's obviously a lot of options for them. I mean, the easy one, as we mentioned just before, is to if you get rid of the Euros. Then that gives them until June the 30th to end mm. the season. Because it's not just England, is it? There's Syria, and there's the Champions League and there's Europa League and there's a league. And there's, In fact, there's, let's face it, it's all of the leagues across yeah. Europe have, have been affected. Um, but but with England and Italy and Spain and France and Germany, they're the, the main ones. It's interesting, Germany, have, they're still playing, aren't they? Germany playing their games behind closed doors. I think there's been a few games that have been affected because some of the players, I think some managers being... I think he's been diagnosed with a uh, Paderborn, is it? I think he's the manager there. There's been a vertebrae Bremen player mm. or, or Hanover player, sorry. Um, but it will resume. It's a question of how it resumes. And I don't think they can possibly just cancel the season. Mm. That's not from speaking from a Liverpool standpoint. That's from an everything standpoint. So if they cancel the season, do, for example, Liverpool give back the Super Cup? Man City give back the League Cup just because mm. that final happens to have been played. If like, Liverpool, yeah. had, if Liverpool had won the league last week and the season ends, does that mean Liverpool have to give back the title just because they got the the right amount of points to to be able to Oof. win it? What happens if, say, Norwich have been caught adrift, like I think in a Bolton down or there's the, there's no t- I don't think there's any teams actually down as such, but. Liverpool have already qualified for the Champions League. Does that mean Liverpool automatically go in the Champions League next season or has that been taken away from them? There's too many variables. What
1: happened to Leicester? Try telling Leicester that they're not in the Champions League next season after having a fantastic season. Do you think Leicester Mm.
2: said... Try telling Burnley that actually, no, they're not safe. You're going to have to go again. That was a bad example, actually. But there will be some teams that... I know there's some reporters or certainly some newspapers who are pushing or, I'm not saying scare stories, but suggesting that the season should be voided. Mm. But... Most people aren't saying that, and if there are clubs who are saying it should be, then they've. I'm not going to name any. In fact, I will name some names. You can imagine who it might be, and I'm going to mention yeah. my favourite team, ah. Tottenham. Tottenham. You would imagine <laughs> if you were Tottenham, you'd be like, "Yeah, sound. Just just get rid of it. Yeah, we were uh, we were in the Champions League next season. We're probably not going to be in it this season. So scrap all of that. And we'll go again. For, for what things were like this year before? There's too many variables. The, the easiest way to sort it is just finish the season and let it all play out. Mm. Even if that means, as I think might happen certainly for some rounds of games, behind closed doors. I mean, there's ways of doing it. They may just say, okay, I think, what was it? Our producer guy came up with an idea playing like oh, mini short, season. and short yeah. seasons and playoffs. There's, there's, there's a way of doing it. There's mm. absolutely a way of doing it. Even if you just went, right, Liverpool are almost certainly going to win the league so you four can play for a Champions League place. You know, that, that kind of thing. There'll be a There'll be a way that they do it. The problem is the June the 30th thing with so many players are out of contract then because obviously the season's over. So there'll be players who've already agreed deals with other clubs. They can't go here, there and everywhere. So I think it has to be done by June the 30th. Mm. And I think it'll get sorted one way or another. And I personally don't think it'll get cancelled because it could basically destroy not just the Premier League, but the French League
0: Mm. and the Liga and all of that. It, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, to, to play, I, I do agree with most of what you said there, Dolly, but Gorsi, to play devil's advocate, I suppose, you, you want, you want a decision to be made when everything is, is safe to do so, and obviously you don't want play to resume until, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not a health problem, but how, how far can you delay? Because I could foresee a situation now where we get close to that, um, early April deadline and, Things still aren't viable to to start having games, whether it's behind closed doors or not. So, does the reach a point? Maybe is that June date that the Doilies mentioned? Does it reach a point where you kind of have to set a deadline and say, "Well, we need to decide now."
1: Maybe so. It's it, I mean, there's only really Real Madrid, Real Madrid and Manchester United. Sorry, Manchester City and Manchester United who are still in with a good shout of progression in Europe, really. Wolves as well. Wolves, well. sorry, Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Balls, yeah. Um, obviously you at... Tottenham have already gone out, so Liverpool, Chelsea got hammered out of sight in the first leg by, by Munich. So that potentially opens up more free time for them to play their rearranged games. But it's a case of when that Champions League can get restarted and see if City can come back on and the Europa League. Because obviously, as we found out today, they've been postponed as well, haven't they? So it's, um, it's a tough one and it? It, it it's harder off fitting these games in when it, it's a traditional schedule. You know, Jürgen Klopp's always bemoaning the fact that there's too much football and, and this is going to cram it in even further. So, how far do you move it back? Do you postpone the Euros completely for a year? You've got the African Cup of Nations to concern yourself with in January. Mm-hmm. It's all, um, it's all going to be a tough balancing act, isn't it, for the fixture schedules over the next few months. And, I think we might just see a scenario where they're just playing deep in deep into June. So, you know, Getting closer and closer towards
2: what would traditionally be the pre season weeks. Mm. What, does, what this does underline is the fact that there's so much football getting played and there's no free spaces anymore, is yeah. there? Yeah. Certainly for the leading clubs, and these are the ones that you just mentioned United and City and, and, and Wolves are the ones who it's going to affect most of all. I mean, City have still, we haven't even mentioned the FA Cup, got a quarter mm. final, semi final, mm. and finals sure. played because they were meant to be played on uh, on next Saturday, weren't they? Mm. 21st, so they're not getting played either. And then there's the playoff whole playoffs in the, you know, Championship League One and League Two. And then, I know non-league, I think as we're recording this, I think there's some suggestion that the non-league, the pyramid may call a halt because at the moment, before we we walked in to record this, there were some non-league players were like, hang on, if all them oh, are why are we playing? We don't mm-hmm. want to play. You know, we, we've we got families as well. I mean, just talking generally on a society thing is that there will come a point, whether it's three weeks, it won't be three weeks, it'll be longer than that, whether it's like six weeks, two months, three months or whatever, where, if everything stops, we have to go. We're going to have to start going again here, mm. you know. And that's when, not just football, but absolutely everything will start going back to normal. As as said before, you look at what's happened in China; they're starting to get back a little bit to normality because they took the drastic step of where it started. Italy, I'm sure, in a month or or whatever time it takes, will start getting back to normal, and it'll be different, and it'll be different for a long time after that. And I think this is something footballs have to get their head around now. Is the what happens after this, it isn't going to be the same and it's not going to be the same for a long time. And it's kind of works in a way because they've got that world cup coming up in November yeah. in 2022, which was already going to disrupt the seasons mm. and everyone was moaning about it. This might be the perfect chance then for them to just realign for a couple of years and work around the fact that that world cup is then. Mm. Mm,
0: That's a fair point, actually. Uh, Well, I think we've covered most of the main points. One one final one, which one of you guys did touch upon, (coughs) but is the idea of playing games behind closed doors. There was, I think it was a Times report this week, which kind of outlined details of a possible government crisis plan, which if if it did have to come to this stage, they could put in action. (coughs) Uh, And it mentioned, obviously, the idea of playing behind closed doors, but streams in homes for people who had tickets to the games, no matches being shown in pubs to avoid kind of congregations there. And, and, you know, I think some managers and players in the wake of that and as, as discussions have, have gone on have, have had their say. I'm pretty sure Van Dyke was speaking about um, behind closed doors yeah. games and that he wouldn't like the idea of it. We'll just go to you both on this as a final thing then. Do, do you think it would be viable, Gorsley, to, to, to do that for an extended period of time?
1: Well, once, once you're not congregating 50,000 people into Anfield, they're going to go somewhere else, aren't they? They're not all going to sit in their house and. Watch it on the telly or whatever, because that's just not how it works. People are going to pack into pubs, um, so you're basically just moving the problem to somewhere else. Um, so it, it it takes away the, the the soul of the the game anyway, doesn't it? When you if you've ever seen a game behind closed doors, it's it's just something not right about it. It's surreal mm. and it's a little bit off. And normally it, it it's done because Something, something's something gone very, very wrong um, so I think the postponement is probably the better solution at this stage I'm thinking if Liverpool win, if, if they were to go behind closed doors and Jordan Henderson <coughs> lifts the Premier League title against Crystal Palace later this month and no one's there to see it it's 30 years and Liverpool have been given the best moments of three decades and no one's there to see it, it's just not right, it's not what the whole thing's about um, you've just essentially got sports for the sake of it then so for me, it's um, less of the two evils It's to postpone it for now. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I think there's a reason why when clubs get punished, they're punished by having their games played yeah. behind closed yeah. doors because it is seen as a punishment because it annuls to a certain extent the home advantage that they've got. I mean, the other way round of that is that then, say Liverpool, for example, oh, they want the Anfield crowd, but then when they go all the away games, they won't have their away crowd either, so that kind of just evens itself out. So I think if it means getting the season finished, they'll play them behind closed doors. And I think if you ask any Liverpool footballer, you're the choice, any Leicester player, any Leeds United player, any West Brom player, any seat player that's in a battle for coming up or you know making sure they, they stay in the league or challenging for Europe, the choice is, we're going to just get rid of everything you've done for the previous eight months. So you've got to play your final six weeks, two months, behind closed doors doing your job that you get paid to do then they'll choose play behind Closed mm. Doors because yeah. at the end they get a medal they get where they want to be for the next year which mm. is why I was saying before no matter when it comes back it's just going to carry on even if it's just going to be different to what we've expected certainly for for quite some time to come
0: mm. Right, well, we'll leave it there. I'm sure this might be one of the first pods where we talk about coronavirus. It will not be the last. Uh, Premier League have said, obviously, they'll be providing more updates on the government. I'm sure their stance and approach will continue to be outlined and updated as things go on. So thank you for listening. But obviously the main point is look after yourselves, look after each other uh, and yeah, we will see what happens. Thank you. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.